Sunday of the new year, and it is Happy New Year at the same time, literally the first Sunday, first day of the new year, and I am so thankful that you have chosen, that God has chosen all of us to be together on this Sunday uh, to kick off the new year. Can you believe that it's 2023? That means some of you are old. We have before us 12 months, 52 weeks, 365 days, 8,760 hours, 525,600 minutes, and 31,536,000 seconds. And the question is, what will we do with all this time. Yet many of us will say that time, what, flies. Last year, many of us were saying, this year things are going to be different. I'm going to change. I'm going to be a better spouse. I'm going to spend more time with my family. I'm going to spend more time reading the Bible, more time praying, more time serving others. Maybe you've already said it for this year. Just by a show of hands, how many of you do New Year's resolutions? (laughs) Thank you for participating this morning. (laughs) You know what they say uh, about New Year's resolutions is that they usually go in one year and out the other. They end up usually becoming revolutions rather than resolutions. But the new year does allow us a chance to reflect on the past year and consider what the new year may bring. It seems like that this new year almost gives us a chance to pause and consider where we've been and where God may want us to go. Things we want to do different. Things we may want to change things we don't want to do again. We can all agree that navigating life with purpose and meaning takes intentionality, it takes time, and it takes wisdom. And everyone, young and old, need wisdom. James 3 describes the wisdom of God. He says this in verse 17 of chapter 3, but the wisdom of, from above is first pure, then peaceable, Gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy. Now that is a list that I would love to live by. And as we think about wisdom, we have to remember that wisdom deals with how we live, not so much with what we know. And scripture says that the opposite of living a life of wisdom is to live life foolishly. It's been said, and you may agree, that there are plenty of educated fools in the world. And without the wisdom of God, we make plenty of mistakes in our lives. This morning we're going to talk about what it means to live in wisdom. But before I do, before we do, I, I want to encourage you individually, maybe as a family, um, to take a minute this week to reflect on 2022. 
The other night, uh, our oldest son called us into his bedroom, and he had a list of questions that he wanted us to answer, and it kind of surprised us all. We didn't know what he was going to ask us. But he asked us questions reflecting on this past year, in 2022. Where did we see God show up? Where were we the most happy? Where were we the most hurt? And it was great to hear our family rehearse the things of God, and I want to encourage you to do that. To think back on where you've been with the Lord and where he might be leading you. And if you need some help, I have a great uh, examine that I've used before in the past. And if you'd like to see me afterwards um, to see maybe where God may be. We didn't recognize. And by reflection, we do recognize. And then we can see where he wants us to go. Uh, But before we begin the message this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we do thank you for this morning. We thank you for this first Sunday of a new year where there's so much potential ahead of us, so so many things that we reflect behind us, and yet we know for certain that you hold it all in the palm of your hand, our past, our present, and our future. And for that, we give you thanks. God, this morning we come and we ask you by your Spirit to teach us, to show us, to help us, encourage us, even convict us by your Spirit and what it means and what it looks like to live a life of wisdom by your wisdom and by your standards. Would you take a minute and pray for the person in front of you or behind you or beside you that the Lord would speak to them this morning and that they would respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the title of the message is The Way of Wisdom, and we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, and then skipping to verses 15 through 17. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to that passage. If you didn't bring your Bible this morning, the words will be on the screen. Paul says to the church at Ephesus this, verse, chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, And walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immortality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. And there must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but but rather giving thanks For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And skip down to verse 15. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Three aspects I want to look at this morning in regards to foolishness and wisdom, fixed on foolishness, foolishness redeemed, and God's way of wisdom. 
Verse 15 says, not as wise men, but as wise. And verse 17 says, so then, do not be foolish. Now what do you think of when you think of a fool? Or someone that's foolish? You ever thought about that? Hopefully you're not thinking of the person beside you. But what comes to mind when you think of somebody that's foolish? What is Paul talking about in these verses? Unwise and foolish. Throughout Scripture, there's a contrast between the two. Now, the word fool today usually means a senseless fellow or a dullard. I love that word, dullard. But the biblical definition has added to the dimension of this is someone who disregards God's word. The Bible lists many characteristics of a foolish person, and in the same verses talks about the characteristics of a wise person. Now there's a basic, fundamental, primary definition that, or understanding that we need to understand is this, that every one of us born into this world comes into it with a terminal state of foolishness. That's how man is born. Man is born in a state of foolishness, or as Scripture talks about, a state of sin nature. Now, what do I mean by that? Meaning that man is born separated from God. He's born in a situation where God's wisdom is absent. But when we think about a fool today, we think about someone who does some foolish acts, who acts crazy or is irresponsible. But the Bible defines a fool this way. A fool is one who exists apart from God. But foolishness or a fool's definition has to have a standard to connect it to in order to understand what a fool is. And so the Bible gives a definition of what a wise person is. And a wise man is one who lives according with God's divine principles. Now, let me just say this. That a believer can live... Foolishly. And there's certain characteristics of foolishness that I want to unpack this morning. The first characteristic is this, is the basic definition of a fool. Psalm 14.1 says this, Only a fool says in their heart that there is no God. That's the beginning of it all. It's the first characteristic of foolishness. It's not only intellectually saying there is no God, but it's practically living as if there is no God. Morally, spiritually, living like a fool, it's been said, is practical atheism. Meaning that ah is without, and theism meaning God, meaning living without God's influence, God's standard. And notice what the end of verse 14, about chapter, uh, Psalm 14, 1 says. Only in the heart of a fool says there's no God, and they are corrupt and their actions are evil, not one of them does good. In other words, foolish living or practical atheism leads to corruption. It is an anti-way of living, anti-God way of living. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says this, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness, and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. 
Now watch this thinking, watch this understanding. To a fool, a person without God, foolishness or sin is right. And righteousness, godly living, is foolishness, which is unfulfilling. The second characteristic is that a fool lives unto themselves. Isaiah 53, 6 says this, All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. And Proverbs 12, 15 says this, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. The fool, then, becomes the one who gets to determine truth and error. They become the one who pronounces for themselves and even for others what is right and what is wrong. And as a result of this, they will inevitably mock sin, which is the third characteristic. Proverbs 14.9, fools make a mock at sin. Have you ever been around somebody who mocks sin? They'll say things like this. Man, you should have seen me do that. You should have heard what I said to them. Or the classic line is, watch this. Are we listening to them? As we're listening to them, what do we think? How foolish. Because they're making a mockery of sin. They make their own rules... They justify their own behavior, and by mocking sin, here's what they do. What we can do is that we eliminate sin's consequences, or or we nullify, or we forget about the result of foolish living. A fool then practically living as if there is no God and then denying that there is such thing as sin or consequences. Proverbs 26, 11 says this, As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. I, I think, I think Proverbs is trying to get us to pay attention to something with this graphic understanding. Fools do not learn from their mistakes because in their minds there's no consequence. They've nullified it. And there's never, ever a good time to flirt or mock sin. Ever. Because if you remember what it costs our Lord on behalf of our sin. So how in the world could we mock what Jesus took care of on the cross for us? How could we treat Jesus that way? Fools take it one step further. Characteristic number four is that a fool loves hearing themselves talk. And I love the NLT translation, the New Living Translation of Proverbs 15.2. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. Sort of has this grotesque picture to it. Most of us have people in our lives where when they speak, we we lean in. It's appealing. It's life-giving. And we draw in. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing. But we also have people in our lives, when we hear them speak, we're like, oh, they just batched out more foolishness. And it's repulsive. 
Now, summing up this, I think Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 summarizes, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and here it is, Fools despise wisdom and instruction. It's our fifth characteristic, and it's the heart of the matter, that fools despise wisdom and instruction. Wisdom in the scriptures talks about applying God's truth and God's principles and living by it. Is there, is there a remedy for foolishness? Is there a way to live different? Here's a great question. How does God redeem hope for fools? Proverbs 1, 20 through 23 says this. Wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street, to those gathered in front of the city gate. How long, you simpletons, will you insist on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? Verse 23, come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you and make you wise. Verse 23, God saying, come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you. And make you wise. There is available to us wisdom. And wisdom only comes through redemption through Jesus on the cross. 2 Timothy 3.15 says this, You have been taught by the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Wisdom is found. In the trusting of Jesus Christ and in the knowledge of the truth in Scripture. It's the saving act of God that brings wisdom. And because you have been saved this morning, if you're a believer, you have wisdom. You have God's wisdom. And somebody will say to me, well, now wait a minute. Just being saved doesn't mean you automatically have wisdom, does it? Yes. It does. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5. You were formerly in darkness, but now you are in the light. Walk as children of light. Notice there's not like a work of progression. There's not like a test, not like some sort of hoop you jump through. When you became believers, Christ deposited in us by his spirit wisdom. His wisdom. So God holds you and I accountable for what he has given us. 1 Corinthians 1.30 but by his doing you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Now watch this just for a second. When you and I surrender our lives to Christ, when we surrender to his truth, he made to us wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification. We are wise, righteous, set apart, and we are redeemed. All four of those things simultaneously became ours. Peter affirms this in 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. The moment you and I come to Christ, wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption comes. 
It's a whole gift. Titus 2, 11 and 13 says this, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God, while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. Salvation brings grace, God's grace brings salvation to us, and it teaches us. What does it teach us? To say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. How does that happen? We sang about it earlier. Behold, all things become new. Therefore, when God deposits this into us by His Spirit, we are without excuse when God calls us to live in wisdom. And we continue to unpack this gift. James 1.5 says this, But if any of you lacks wisdom, anybody lack wisdom? Let him ask of God who gives to all generously without reproach, and it will be given to him. At salvation, we are no more fools, but we are wise. Changed. And wisdom is applying that knowledge. Leads us to our last point, God's way of wisdom. I want you to notice the tone in Paul's phrases of, Be careful how you walk, making the most of your time, understand what the will of the Lord is. These sound like good New Year's resolutions to me. But they are about purpose, verses that are intentional. If you had to look at your life, the past week, the past month, what are the things that you are really intentional about? Intentional is to be deliberate, to be planning, to be purposeful, and to be focused. Are you, am I, intentional about how I live? Let, let me ask you this. Sometimes it feels that life just happens to me rather than me happening to life. Anybody can happen? Anybody agree with that? That somehow our calendars, people, schedules dictate our life. And for sure we have responsibilities, but in the responsibilities, I believe God calls us to be intentional and wise about how we live. And here's some things I believe we need to be intentional about this coming year with the Spirit's help and work. First is in our relationship with God. Trust God. Love Jesus. Welcome the Spirit. And ingest the Bible. Be intentional about reflection and prayer. Rehearsing God's promises and His principles in your life. The other thing I think we need to be intentional about as a church is practicing the Sabbath. In our culture today, we are way too busy. We live way too fast-paced, way too hurried, way too harried. It's just a blur so many times at the end of our day. And we kind of think, 
What did I do today? I think God's call to us and to live wisely is to practice the Sabbath. To rest. To cease striving. To remind ourselves whose we are. That this life doesn't have to be this performance of a pressure of performance. In the Sabbath, we're reminded that we're unconditionally loved by God as beloved children, which in turn helps us to love others the way He loves us. How do we do this? When I was growing up, my mom and dad would use these two words, particularly in church. They would say, Be still. Any parents use those two words? Be still. I think God, our Father, needs to say to his church more and more, and the church respond to his instruction, be still. Cease striving. It's also a very loud culture that we live in. So still the noise. Schedule times of solitude and reflection. And develop new rhythms with the Lord. Just as a side note for the new year, you and God control your calendar. So set your priorities. Seek first the kingdom of God. The other intentional thing that we need to do is to pay attention who we're listening to. Are we listening to life? Our body? What, what, what are people saying to us and what are we listening to? Am I listening to a truth or the lie? Although fools can come, can choose to become wise by heeding wise counsel and applying it, the Bible warns against associating with fools. Proverbs 14, 7 says, Stay away from fools, for you won't find knowledge on their lips. Proverbs 13, 20 says this, Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. I won't ask for a show of hands, but how many of us live that verse? And let me say this too. It is foolish thinking to try and walk the Christian life alone. To become more like Jesus on your own was never the intention. We were designed and created not for isolation, but for community. So that's why we encourage life groups, small groups, coffee groups, whatever kind of groups to talk about your life with Jesus, to be held accountable and to be encouraged. The other thing we listen to is where is God calling you to serve? Some of you may be wanting that special crown in heaven to serve with the toddlers, the two to three and four-year-olds. <laughs> Are the voices you're listening to focusing you on the temporary or the eternal? Are the voices leading you to dependence on self or dependence on the Lord? Pay attention who you're listening to. When you and I become Christians, followers of Jesus, it's not just a change in a belief system. 
It's a change in how we live. Walk in this passage, when he says walk in wisdom, means a totally different way to walk, a totally different perspective, a daily conduct, a daily pattern. You know when you walk, you put one foot in front of the other, right? And you're headed towards somewhere. Paul is telling the church at Ephesus, put one foot in front of the other towards the person of Jesus. That's how you live in wisdom. He says, be careful how you walk. This word careful actually means accurate, prudent, guarded, and exact. To walk carefully is to look attentively from side to side, to be very alert at what's going on. Why? Why do we have to do that? Because as one author says, you and I are literally walking through a minefield in this world, and you just can't go traipsing through it like you are lollygagging in a meadow full of daisies. You and I are walking in a system in the world that demands that you and I walk carefully with the Lord. Paul says in Philippians 1.27, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, meaning that our walk needs to match our position. As one author said, We are far too wise as believers and far too accountable to walk like fools. In closing, I want to look at Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 8. It's a story, it's my story, it's your story as a believer. It says this, For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. And in that moment is when we were changed from fools to people of wisdom. But not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing and regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through his Savior, Jesus Christ. So that being justified by his grace, we may be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that you, that those who have believed in God, followers of Jesus, will be careful to engage in good deeds. Do you, do you know how many times in pastoral counseling I'll hear this? Well, I know what the Bible says, and I know what God wants me to do, but... Let me, let me just say, for the new year, anything on the other side of that butt <laughs> is foolish living. Nothing good happens on that other side. Know what God says and do it. Listen to the words of Wilbur Chapman, these words of wisdom. The rule that governs my life is this. Anything that dims my vision of Christ or takes away my taste for Bible study or cramps my prayer life or make Christian work difficult is wrong for me and I must, as a Christian, turn away from it.
Paul is calling us to think, to live, and to walk in God's wisdom. This morning, I'm going to close with an invitation for you to pray. Seth and the praise team is going to come up. There's going to be a time of uh, Susie playing on the piano. And here's the invitation is to simply pray. Think back through 2022. Think about how God is calling you to be intentional, to be still, to be submissive, to be attentive, to pray for wisdom, and maybe, probably, a time to confess foolishness. To ask God for His wisdom, to surrender to God's plan. And let me say this, if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ, You only have the wisdom of the world, which is indeed foolishness. God offers you the gift of salvation, the gift of Jesus and his work on the cross. Eternal life. And I want to challenge you on this first day of this new year to invite Jesus into your life. To say yes to his work on the cross. To move from the kingdom of foolishness to the kingdom of wisdom. Let me pray for us. God, in these next few minutes, I pray that you would speak to the hearts of people here. To those who are watching online. God, I pray by your spirit that you would convict us and convince us that it's your wisdom, that it's your wisdom that we need for our lives. Help us in these next few moments, we pray. Amen.